I followed my gut and, and, and came out to the West and I'm so glad that I did because it's, it's, it's really been an enriching few years here and I wouldn't trade it for the world. Hey, thank you for joining me on the Wisdom of the Wilderness podcast. I'm your host, Greg, and we have a fun episode for you today with a lot of great stuff sharing about wisdom from life, nature, and guiding in the Canadian Rockies. I am pumped to be talking to my friend, Samantha, who's coming to us live from just outside of Banff National Park in Canmore, Alberta. Samantha and I worked together for a couple years and had some pretty cool experiences, got to know each other quite well, and it was great to reconnect and hear more parts of her story that I had no idea about until we were talking about them. I think there's some great nuggets of wisdom here as we get towards the end. Samantha also shares with us some of her hidden gem spots for when people do make it to the Rockies, and a little bit about... uh, taking a chance, trusting your gut, and following your intuition to make a big change in life. So without further ado, why don't we get started? Hey friends, thank you again for joining me today on the Wisdom of the Wilderness podcast. I am really excited to be talking to a friend and colleague of mine today from somewhere uh, a few multiple hours away here in Canada. Good afternoon, Samantha. How are you today? Hello, Greg. I'm well. How are you? I am doing fantastic. Thank you for asking. Thanks for having Uh, me on your podcast. (laughs) You're welcome. Thank you for being here. I am excited to hear a little bit more about your story. Uh, And to start off, can you share a little bit about yourself? Uh, Where are you now? What are you up to? Sure. Uh, So at the moment, I am living in Canmore, Alberta. So about 80K west of Calgary in the Rockies, in the Canadian Rockies. And um, I am currently in my living room. Sunny and I can see the mountains from my window. Oh, beautiful. And that's the mountains by Banff, correct? Exactly. Yeah, Canmore is not in the national park itself. It's just outside the borders, but... Banff National Park Gates is about 20 minutes drive from where we live. Wow, beautiful. And in the sunshine today. So thank you for sharing that. (laughs) It's pretty cold, but sunny. I think it's about, you know, I don't know, minus 15 today. (laughs) Awesome. And how did you end up in Canmore? Well, that's a long story. um, But... It starts with, I grew up in Eastern Canada, well, in Ontario, in a small city called Cornwall, which is definitely not a mountainous area at all. (laughs) But um, uh, I moved out west about five years ago. So about five years ago, I had done a lot of traveling around the world but I had never been to the Rockies or anywhere beyond uh, westward west, like, you know, past Ontario, basically. So I decided to take a one year leave from my job at that time and come out West instead of traveling abroad, which I had done a lot of, I decided it was time to see what else Canada had to offer. So I came out 
and I kind of haven't really gone <laughs> gone back since. Anything in particular that spurred it, or just the the idea to explore and see new territory? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple things that led to that decision, and without going into all the details of the long story. I was kind of gearing up to possibly go to Europe for a year on that one year leave. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, a couple things didn't work out with a previous relationship and things. And I definitely still wanted to use that year. Um, And then I really realized, hey, I have not seen my own country. I need to explore. And so um, I decided I would do the year regardless of what had happened. And, um, you know, you save up when you plan a, to, to leave like employment for a year, you got to kind of somewhat prepare. So I had saved up some funds and I had decided go out west. And one way to kind of help prolong my travels without, you know, having gainful employment was to do some volunteer. I'm not sure if you've heard of woofing. Yes, I have. <laughs> So I had done that already in France, like a few years prior to coming out west. So I decided to contact some firms um, in BC, actually. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just funny because Canada is such a big country. So I, I basically opened Google Maps and had a look at the map of Canada <laughs> and looked at like the furthest west that I could go. And Vancouver Island kind of struck a chord with me. And so... I contacted some farms on Vancouver Island, and then there's a lot of small islands near Vancouver Island, so I contacted a farm in Salt Spring Island, and Mm -hmm. something was calling me toward that area, so I booked some woofing there, but first, on the way to BC, I came to Calgary to visit a friend, and she was the one who took me to the Rockies for my first time. Oh, wow, and what was that like? Oh, that was, I'll never forget that. So we basically, you know, we got in the car from Calgary to the mountains is only, you know, about an hour. And um, luckily, you know, you're driving, when you drive from Calgary to the Rockies, you're basically driving to a big wall of mountains. And some days you can see them and some days you can't, depending on the weather. But that day, it was perfect. All we could see was this wall of mountains. And I'll never forget it. I just, I was in complete awe. I couldn't believe that this was part of Canada, that I hadn't been here before, but I was so happy to be there. And it, it I felt really excited and it felt like I was in the right spot. Wow. And did you just focus on like the Banff kind of area on that trip and then continue on on your own? Yeah. So on that trip, because I had already sorted some stuff out for the British Columbia portion, I was only, unfortunately, only uh, in the Rockies area for about a week. And then I was flying to BC. So, but it made such an impression. And when I was in the Rockies for that first time, I knew that I was going to come back I didn't know necessarily that I would end up living here permanently, <laughs> but um, I definitely knew that I that my time there was was not over. So um, I I continued on my journey and went to BC and did the woofing and all that stuff. And and um, after that that year, I came back to the Rockies and I basically haven't left the Rockies since I came back, kind of thing. Yeah, wow. 
That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you went to go woofing, uh, did you volunteer at like one of the permaculture places? I know one of the like seemingly worldwide hotbeds of permaculture and regenerative agriculture and more living with nature happens to be Vancouver Island and all the little tiny islands around there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would say, uh, so basically when I was on the main Vancouver Island on the big, bigger Island there, I volunteered on an organic blueberry farm, <laughs> um, <laughs> near Parksville, which is a small kind of town, um, on the East side of the Island. And so, the the family that that owned that property and the farm they were very much into permaculture and and trying to create kind of an ecosystem on their property that was sustainable um, as much as possible you know and um, so that was a really fascinating and a great learning experience for sure and then when that finished up did you then fly back to calgary um well what did i do so i did that and that, like, I worked on the blueberry farm, and then I traveled a bit and went up to Tofino, which is like, the west coast of the island, more rugged, and did a bit of solo travel there. And then I ended up going to Salt Spring Island to do to work on an organic apple farm, and that was phenomenal. Just such a beautiful area, and and so many great conversations and. You meet some really interesting people when you're doing these, um, working on these farms. And while on Salt Spring, I started to hear about a place called Haida Gwaii in BC again, but an island up further north, west. And something called me to continue because I didn't have the whole year planned out. I only planned out the first bit. And... um, Mm -hmm. Something told me to go to Haida Gwaii. So I actually went to Haida Gwaii after Vancouver Island for a month and spent time working on a, at a and b on Haida Gwaii and met some of the local people there and explored another part of BC that is very, very unique and interesting place. Um, so after Haida Gwaii, eventually then I, I, I think I flew back you know, so that was kind of from spring to fall, basically that whole experience. And I flew at the end of it to visit my family. And then I decided that I needed to go back out west. So I hooked up with a girl online who was driving, who was going to do the drive. Um, because I had never done the drive across Canada. So, <laughs> oh, okay. And so we decided, I met her basically, we met up for a drink in Montreal just to make sure you know, that we were both on the same page. And then we drove, we left and we drove across Canada. And I came back west and decided to book a ticket to Peru. And I booked a one-way ticket to Lima, Peru. And I went and spent five months in South America, which was a a whole adventure in of itself. (laughs) Yeah, no doubt. (laughs) Um, but at the end of the while I was in South America though I had to decide if I was going to return to my job in Ottawa because I was still on my year leave without pay my sabbatical and so I was meant to return in April and in January my boss needed to know kind of thing and I was 
I, I'll never forget because I was on a, I was volunteering in Bolivia with wild animals like monkeys and sloths and pumas and um, which is another whole experience. But whilst there, I had to make my decision if I was going to return to work in April or not. And um, I realized that it just, no, it wasn't for me to return. So I talked to my boss in Ottawa and told them that they should keep keep the girl that was, you know, covering me for that year and she should stay on and that I had other things, other plans. So, um, yeah. And then, well, yeah, well, for sure. And then while there, again, I had... I decided to look for work in the Rockies because I still had that that pull from that first moment um, when I first saw the Canadian Rockies. And that's when I applied for Timberwolf Tours. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Where, and so I applied for Timberwolf while I was in South America. I did the interview via Skype and got the job offer. And so when I came back to Canada, I went to basically Timberwolf Tours. With that, so you you went to Timberwolf, mm-hmm. and I eventually met you when we worked together. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you did you then go and experience more of the Rockies on your own before starting the job, or did you start with the training? Um, actually, most of it was through the training. I you know I wanted to do as much of it, like exploring of 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 Canadian Rockies and things before working as a guide. Um, and but timing wise and things i i did most of my exploring then on our training and then between training and and working there was a big gap of time so then i was able to go and camp and explore um you know the trails some of the trails and some of the sites and things gotcha okay and guiding that is a world in and of itself for anybody who has been one or uh, thinking about being mm-hmm. one. How, <laughs> how was that experience for you? It was great. I mean, it's a challenging job. There's no denying that for sure. Um, but it has a lot of rewards at the same time. And if you are someone who's passionate about something, it's it really is a reward to share that passion with others, you know? So I really enjoyed being kind of an ambassador for Canada and, and showing people around and also reliving through others that moment when I first saw the Rockies for the first time, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I can only imagine what was that, that was like for you and let alone for guests flying over from literally around the world to land in Calgary and then drive literally from the plains into the mountains. That is I know I know and it is and it's very something very special to me and to see others experience it and it really connects you to those people and it was really fun I met so many amazing people through that job and not gonna lie it challenged me in many ways as well Um, it's not perfect Mm -hmm. and nothing is but I'll never you know I'll look back on that with very fond memories yeah no doubt and how uh what are some of the things you the big things you learned um from those 
wonderful moments, but also those challenging moments of being a guide and working in the outdoors? Uh, I I think it's, you know, the, the outdoors has a lot of lessons to teach us. Um, you know, nature is such a fascinating place. And, you know, we live on this planet and yet sometimes we don't connect with the outdoors enough. And so it was it was great to take people through and, and they take a break from their job for a week or two or three and you know just reconnecting with the with the earth and enjoying and soaking in a place and and really seeing it for what it is and so that is something i try to carry through my life now that i'm no longer working as a guide um you know appreciating a place i'm not I don't ever want to take this place for granted. So as much as I live here and see this place on a day-to-day basis, I'm still in awe. Yeah. Oh, and you're in such a magical place in Camor and with Banff right there mm-hmm. as well. That yeah. is something we can all appreciate. Uh, yeah, if anybody out there hasn't listened, uh, there are many iconic photos of Banff and the area. Feel free to Google or take a look. Um, Samantha was able to take people too pretty much all of them right definitely oh for sure for sure all those um famous instagram photos that are getting out there these days um we 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 did them (laughs) yeah yeah and what was it like you know canada has a lot of wilderness areas a lot of open space and a lot of um large ungulates and charismatic (laughs) megafauna (laughs) what was that experience like to to be guiding people, you know, both through their, you know, hiking through the Rockies or canoeing through the Rockies, but then to to see these animals that are, can in a way become part of like your daily experience sometimes in Banff, but are such a big thrill for visitors. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Um, because living here, you you know, you have an appreciation for for the, for living side by side with these creatures and as much as it is a, a fascinating experience to, to see them, you know, you definitely have the boundaries um, with regards to, to the relationship between human and wildlife here, but it can be challenging because people that come here, it, that's one of the main attractions for them for sure. And so it's, I felt like it was a responsibility of mine to make sure that they had those boundaries and respected those boundaries as well. Um, it's kind of a surreal experience to see bears and, yeah, like you said, the large ungulates and thing uh, and creatures like moose, uh, big elk, and depending on the season, you know, it, it's it's kind of surreal because if you're never if you haven't been in that environment, you can almost forget that it's the wilderness and it feels almost like oh well you know, we're in a place something like a zoo and you know maybe. I can get close to this animal, but you definitely have to respect those boundaries. Yeah. Yeah, gosh. And then you even were lucky enough to see probably mountain goats and bighorn sheep and other things that kind of, that are really magical experiences. For definitely. People. Yeah. I, I was lucky to see, you know, and as much as there are tons of animals here, you don't necessarily see them as often as you might think. And I think that's maybe a misconception that people coming from abroad have, that they expect that they're going to see, you know, a bear every day if they're in Banff National Park. 
And that's definitely, you know, it can happen and it has happened, but sometimes you don't see animals for a few days kind of thing. That's definitely a balance as someone showing people around of managing that level of awareness or expectation that, you know, the the bear will sit there and Mm -hmm. smile for the camera when you do. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) For sure. So I always felt at the beginning of my tours, you know, talking about uh, wildlife and being in such a special place and, you know, respect and was always a big part of, of our introduction. And I think people would really appreciate when we did see something, of course. Um, and, you know, sometimes we didn't and that was okay. How was it um, again, like as part of that position, there was an aspect of teaching some of the camping and um even like wilderness skills, like hiking in the woods or having animals around. How was that for teaching people that may not have had experience, like building a campfire or cooking on a stove? Yeah, for sure. I think um, that was, I really enjoyed that aspect of the job because growing up in Ontario, you know, there's definitely outdoor experiences available, but it's not as readily available as maybe out here. And so I could completely understand how it is to be someone who is interested in becoming, let's say, quote unquote, more outdoorsy or immersing themselves into outdoor activities, but not knowing exactly how to go about doing that. And but then coming on this trip, these you know people from Europe, for example, coming on this Timberwolf tour for them it's a chance to, okay, I'm taking the step. I want to get more involved with the outdoors. And for them, this is kind of one of those steps. And so I didn't take that position lightly as being the person that could give them that experience or help them with that experience. And so I I kind of, I like to try and give them more of like a Canadian take on it as well. So having a lot of fun with it and trying to make it a memorable experience for them so that when they go back to their home countries or if they're from Canada, go back to their hometowns that they leave with some new skills and some new memories kind of thing. And did that include any aspects of some of them like Canadian foods or some of the, you know, camping things that folks do here that may not be common other places? Oh, for sure. I mean, as a country, we don't necessarily have a ton of like, uh, cultural food I would say but there are some and so it could be something small like making s'mores by the campfire wearing our plaid shirts and if they didn't have one they'd always go out and get one at some point during the tour <laughs> um, making some hot Canadians which is a delicious drink yeah it is. what is in I think place? everyone that like makes them has their own version but basically hot water like boil some water add a little bit of or a lot depending how strong you want it add some whiskey and the most important ingredient is real canadian maple syrup take a piece of branch stir it all up and you're ready to have your first sip it's delicious and it keeps you warm on a cold night (laughs) <laughs> it does. <They> delicious. <laughs> yes, we've had lots of those, right? Oh, yes. We had <laughs> very many. <laughs> uh, and as as you were um, guiding people and traveling around, did you did you develop any favorite spots 
to to take people or show them around or you know like a, a top few places that you'd recommend people go and see and I realized as I asked that grant there are literally hundreds of them <laughs> and some of them I'm gonna have to keep secret <laughs> yes yes In yeah. a oh my gosh there are tons 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 and it really depends on you know the person and on what they think is beautiful or what they are interested in um it can be sometimes a simple stop on the highway um for example most of our tours we would drive from Banff to Jasper and there are some of the stops along the way that are not necessarily the big you know the big one like Lake Louise or the mm -hmm. Columbia Icefielder but that just for example okay I'll 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 divulge this one it's called um I think it's called the Saskatchewan River Crossing and it's a place it's a basically a stop like a rest stop kind a picnic area and when you stop and park you can walk out a few hundred meters and you get to just a lookout where three different rivers converge it's nice big wide open space there's mountain views all around and to some people that that particular spot may be of no significance it looks like the rest of the drive but I have taken people there um, who basically get to that spot and to them that is exactly what they had in mind when they were thinking about Canada and yeah I know it's sometimes the unexpected ones the unexpected places yeah, no, it can and it can be something like everyone's experience of in nature and of scenery mm -hmm. is so different that that's so spot on. Like it can be that for one person, and it can be mm -hmm. seeing a bear or getting a squirrel eating a nut in the campground. That is that for sure. Experience. I know it's and that's that's one of the beauties of working as a guide is you get to see everyone's reactions. Um, and the more the more you do it, the more you work in that setting the the better you get at kind of judging what people what are people are interested in after you've met them and and, and kind of catering the tour towards their in their interests oh yeah yeah definitely like the photographer or the botanist or geologist or historian even there's there's so many options and we're blessed with such diversity in western canada exactly exactly there's so much did you have any favorite campgrounds for when you were on a tour, like places to stay, whether it was you know, mm -hmm. Tunnel Mountain on Banff or uh, Pocahontas or anything like uh, that? Uh, I don't know. Um, I think Jasper, the campground at Jasper was really nice. Um, you know, all the campgrounds were nice for sure. The the one in Tunnel Mountain in Banff, depending like certain spots sometimes were the best, you know. And there's one, like the A-loop yeah. in Banff. If you get the A-loop, sometimes you have like a phenomenal, phenomenal view from your, basically your tent of Rundle Mountain, one of the big mountains around the town of Banff. Good one. So if ever you're camping in Banff, try to get the A-loop. Yeah, I, I will <laughs> second that. A-loop has uh, got some pretty good views. And there, there are some other spots around, but we can keep those quiet. If someone wanted to come and see Canada, would would you have like a top five, your personal top five 
places, not including the secret places that that are worth checking out? If you're coming to Alberta, then you know for sure the Rockies is is if you're interested in mountains is the place to be. Um, Kananaskis is not a place that we explored often on the Timberwolf tours, but it's it's a provincial park. It's not the national park, but it has a lot to offer. And it's not as busy sometimes as the national park. So the Kananaskis area. But of course, if you're coming, you've got to go to Banff National Park. Um, within Banff National Park, you have your Lake Louise, your Moraine Lake, and many other sites to see. And then Jasper is also a very special place, a massive national park. Um, but then you also have connected to both Banff and Jasper is Yoho National Park, which is a smaller park, but equally as, as gorgeous. Um, you can go see the, the big waterfalls, which I'm going to mispronounce, the Takaka Falls. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> in Yoho. And then we also have Kootenai National Park. So there's four national parks that border kind of each other. And so you often always hear of Banff and Jasper, but Kootenai and Yoho are very, very, very worthwhile, in my opinion, as well. Yeah, I, I would strongly agree with that. There's a lot, a lot there. And you, in some cases, you're seeing the, the opposite side of what you're seeing exactly yeah to see from the other perspective i think that's really important to to be able to kind of situate yourself geographically and so one one thing i like to do often on my tours was to use maps a lot so that because i wanted people to understand where they were in you know geographically speaking because it just gives you an appreciation yeah and and shows that you know all the connectivity we have and how the impacts of things or you know the migration mm-hmm. routes of animals mm-hmm. and and what is there any advice you would have for someone thinking about being a guide or wanting to get into the outdoor rec or tourism industry <laughs> when it comes back? i think if you're considering it you should take the first step and make it happen you know without making that first move it might not ever happen but it is a very worthwhile pursuit in my opinion I also would second that, having been involved in it for a while. Um, wow. Well, thank you for all of that. Living in the Rockies or what that's been like the past, gosh, coming up on a year now. Um, what what was it like without having the thousands of visitors in the area over, you know, the, the, the user season, mm-hmm. uh, over the summer yeah. and the fall? Um it was interesting because we didn't have our international tourists and in some ways that was kind of like a blessing to to give a bit of a break to some of the areas that are getting a little bit overused um although it wasn't completely dead this summer like last summer either because Canadians still travel took the t- opportunity to travel uh, to the to the mountains, um, people that maybe didn't normally have the chance came out and explored, and and so that was great to see more Canadians getting out here, you know. But um, but it was definitely a different summer for sure. And um, I, I don't know, like I mean, it's already twenty twenty one. It's January, and I, it'll be interesting to see how this summer goes. 
from what you saw being out there, were there any differences in like wildlife in more places? Actually, or... I found not so much, which is interesting. Um, where the, the places I frequented most, I didn't see as much wildlife as I did the summer prior, which sometimes it can really just depend um, on weather as well, you know? So in some of the smokier summers, <clears throat> excuse me, in some of the smokier seasons, because we do get wildfires in Canada here and, and most summers the wildfire smoke will travel into the, into the mountains eventually. And it kind of, it brings, I've experienced that it will bring some of the animals down to the lower areas to the water. Um, but this summer we had, we didn't really have wildfires, which is, which is fantastic because the smoke can be really hard on everyone. Um, but I don't know if that was one of the reasons I didn't see as many bears, for example. I mean, I saw some for sure, but considering there wasn't all the international tourists, I was, I thought I'd maybe see even more. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. I'm curious to see how, how things change this year or what, what happened this year <laughs> for a number of different. I know, <laughs> I know. I mean, <laughs> I think for sure, like the Canadians came out in, in kind of in droves um, in the, the summer that just passed and perhaps at least to where the area I live in but um so it was definitely busy um not the same level but but you know it was busy and I I suspect if it's kind of not again not a lot of international tourists I think we'll have a lot of Canadians come out this way yeah yeah, I mean it's it's still an iconic or iconic and part of the sort of natural consciousness as a, a place to go and that's featured in exactly so much and it's, it there's pros and cons and when the international tourists are are coming and are here um, things get booked up months and months ahead of time and. Um, prices are pretty high and thing and things like that. So the summer that just passed, prices kind of came down a little bit. It was a bit more affordable for Canadians, and um, and you could actually get a, <laughs> you know, you could get yourself a, a, an accommodation or a campsite. So if if things do open up and you are anyone listening is planning to come visit, I would recommend to try to book some stuff ahead of time. Yeah, that that is a great idea. That actually um, <clears throat> maybe spurs an idea for me <laughs> to think about booking something <laughs> later here. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it, it definitely can be busy there in the summer, and it can be quite challenging to find a campsite or a hotel room on weekends or. Pretty much, yeah, many times during the summer. So that is, that is one benefit of things <laughs> shutting down. Is that exactly. You room. <laughs> Gosh, wow. Uh, do you have one story that sticks out as a memorable experience um, in your, your guiding throughout the Rockies you'd be willing to share of <laughs> taking that whichever direction you would like? Um, I recall, well, there's so many, but one that's particularly that stands out um, is a few summers ago, I was guiding a group in Kootenai National Park and we were on a hike 
the name is escaping me at the moment, but um, basically it's a loop, which is really nice because we don't have as many loops. When, when I say loop, it's a hike that you, you, know, you do a loop so you don't come back on your trail, which we don't have as many of in, in this area. I guess in, in Europe, and it's apparently more common. Most hikes are loops. So in any case, this was a loop and... It was more remote. Like I said, Kootenai is sometimes a forgotten park, and it's, so it's less less busy, uh, even in the busy summers. And so we set off on this hike, and I was I told my guests so many times I was preparing them that it was going to be quite remote, that we really needed to be talkative because it was a prime bear habitat, grizzly bear. And you had to stick together. It was some trails will have restrictions to help with the bear, you know, keep the bears safe so that they don't have um, encounters with humans or to, you know, to prevent encounters with humans. So on this trail, you had to stay, you had to be minimum four people and stay close together at all times while walking. And so I had prepared the group for that. And um, the first part of the hike, you're getting the hike to get, you're trying to get to a pass. So half of the hike, you're going on half of the loop to get to the top of the pass. And then the second half of the hike, you're coming down and coming back to uh, the base kind of thing. And so anyways, we were chatting and singing and having a great time on the way up and being extra careful, extra cautious. Um, oh, I remember it's the Kindersley Pass, the hike, Kindersley Pass. And mm. <laughs> we had such a great time. And I think they were kind of, think they thought I was being a little over the top but it was a great time and so we start to get closer and closer to the pass and it's a it, it was a challenging hike it's um like a bit long and you know you're going up and gaining that elevation so we get to the top of the pass and as we crest the pass in the distance at a safe distance but not that far away was a grizzly bear mom and her two cubs who were quite large actually they were probably second season cubs were they were also going up to the pass <laughs> and so um so we stopped and coming up from the other side so there was almost three things happening there was us coming up to the crest of the path to crest the path grizzly and two moms and then from the other side of the trail a group of eight people and so yeah, so we, we called out to them and they came and joined us. So now we became a group of 16 because I had eight with me. And we were able to watch this big grizzly bear mom and her two cubs get over the pass. And then they started to go down the other side. So once they started to go down the other side, we were able to stand on the top of the pass and watch them go down. It was so fascinating. And we got such amazing videos and pictures. But craziest thing. Wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That is such a, it was, it was amazing. And I had to remind them, this does not happen every, you know, every tour. Exactly. It was just perfect. I mean, I'm just glad that it all went well because, you know, they were obviously nearby and it could have been a different outcome, but to have it happen in a safe way and from a distance, but still within good view, it was just, it was amazing. That is fantastic. And mm-hmm. gosh, I wish I could have been there to see that. But I will, <laughs> we will live on in our own memories. For sure. Is there anything else you'd like to share with us about your experiences traveling around um, 
as a single mm-hmm. female or being a guide, uh, anything about these collective experiences that you've had since making such a big shift in your life, both physically moving to a new part of the country and yeah, I think, you know, career change. It's, it's easy to get stuck in your mundane and, and, and being in a mundane situation is okay. But if you have a desire to try something new, to get out, to do something different, just take the first step, you know, it's, um, if you take that first step, other things will come and it's important to follow your gut, you know, um, I followed my gut and, and, and came out to the West and I'm so glad that I did because it's, it's, it's really been an enriching few years here and I wouldn't trade it for the world. But, you know, had I let my insecurities and my nerves get the best of me, I probably wouldn't have done it, you know. So you have to you have to outweigh the pros and the cons and take a leap of faith sometimes. Um, but it's such a learning experience, you know. It's Life has so many lessons to offer, and I think – it can be scary to make those jumps, to make a jump like that, or to to maybe go against the a little bit against the grain. You know, when I first left, I even had a few people in my life that were a little bit maybe not as supportive as I had hoped, because it is a bit of a risk, you know, when you leave a good job behind and pack everything up into a car and and go, but. Uh, you have to follow your instinct and we're given this, this human experience and you got to live how you want to live. And I'm really glad I followed my heart in those situations. Yeah, <laughs> I am too. Cause we ended up meeting working for Tim. And now a couple of years later, here we are talking about it. And uh, you're in one beautiful place of the country. I know. I know. I sometimes still, still feel like, up. is this actually my life? Like, do I actually, am I living here? You know, like it's, it is funny how, you know, all your little stepping stones in life lead you to different checkpoints. And right now my checkpoint is here in Canmore and it's amazing and I'm grateful. And I mean, COVID has been interesting and I miss my family and I don't know when I'll be able to see them again, but we're very, very fortunate, my partner and I, to be living here because all of our interests are mostly outdoor activities and Luckily, we're still able to do those in this current climate. Yeah, and from where you are, you can pretty, you can open your door. One hundred percent. Yeah, we're very well situated. You know, we do a lot of mountain biking and hiking, and the trails are basically at our doorstep. It's it's we're lucky. Yeah, no, that that is fantastic, and I look forward to getting out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, doing all that stuff again soon. In the meantime, I'm glad you can appreciate it for us and share photos of. I know I like to share. I also today. I also feel bad sometimes because I don't want to make people feel. You know, I don't know, um, that they could, you know, sad that they can't be out exploring this place, but uh, because of the situation that we're in, but um, it'll come. Yeah, and you've you've shared a lot about options and things people can think about when they are planning their trip out to this beautiful exactly and it doesn't have to just wait you know if you 
can't get out here, but you have nature trails near your home, go get on them. Go check it out. Nature is such a beautiful thing to explore. And it teaches you so much about yourself to get out into nature. And, and that's been a huge learning experience in, my, in the last few years of my life is um, how important it is for me to get out in nature because nature is a neutral you know nature doesn't it's not for or against you so you're out there and it's what you decide to do you know your decision so you learn a lot about yourself because you're in this neutral environment and nature just is so it's, it's just such a it, you can learn so much about yourself by getting out even if it's just on a little hiking trail nearby kind of thing you hit everything spot on We're just, yeah you know it's such an amazing planet and yeah, there's so the force of nature is you know it's, it's something to be admired and respected and i'm so glad that i'm able to experience this in my lifetime that is a good inspiration and reminder for folks too that you don't necessarily need to fly across the world to to enjoy what we have around us in many different You're ways. You're welcome. Exactly. Thank you, Samantha. Yeah, uh, but we're getting close to the time, I can see. Um, if people wanted to follow along with you, is there any social media form or things? Yeah, I'm on Instagram. Um, my Instagram is Samantha underscore outdoors. I'm pretty sure. Ooh, <laughs> I like that. Oh, let me check. That's hilarious. <laughs> I've been I've been a little quiet on social media, I feel like lately. But yeah, Samantha underscore outdoors. <laughs> I, I will link that in the show notes. And uh, yes, I as well have been uh, enjoying a break from that world. And it's been quite nice to disconnect outside and uh, not have things blaring at me all the time. So good. Kudos <laughs> to you for yeah, you know, I do that. love seeing people's photos, though, for sure. There's a lot of magic in the world that we can all appreciate. Gosh, well, Samantha, I want to say thank you very much for talking to us today. There was a lot of great information you've shared, and I really appreciate that uh, hearing your story is a sort of inspiration and empowerment for someone that may be thinking of making a career change or wanting to connect with nature in a different way. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for staying with me through to the end, friends. This was a fun episode to record. As always, I hope you're inspired and empowered to perhaps try something new or look at things in a different way. If you know someone else that you think might benefit from listening to this, please share it with them, whether it's a friend, neighbor, colleague, family member, whomever it may be. There's a lot of great information out there, and there's a lot of people who can benefit from, from hearing what we're talking about here. Thank you so much for spending part of your day with me. I hope you do have a wonderful day or evening. I hope you get a chance to get outside in nature today. And a last favor, if you do get a chance, please leave a review on whichever podcast platform you're listening to this to. That helps me out and uh, helps get the ratings up so more people can find out about it. All right. Have a wonderful day wherever you are. We'll catch you on the flip-flop. Uh-huh.